how to keep your deliverance. These are 11 keys on keeping your deliverance. One is to yield to the Lordship of Jesus in every area of your life and to pretty much put God first. Number two, know who you are in Christ. Number three, stay faithful to God. Number four, stay humble. Number five, stay grateful. Six, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Seven, live by the word of God. Eight, put on the whole armor of God. Nine, put on the hope, the helmet of hope. Ten, put on the garment of praise and learn how to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Eleven, cultivate godly relationships and fellowships. We just talked about what to do after deliverance, but now it's time to teach y'all on how to keep your deliverance. And really, I believe this teaching is more on encouraging you to stick to the process and understand and know that it's a process to keep your deliverance. And as I'm going through these notes and I just shared these 11 keys, we'll make sure we drop these in the show notes and in the description below. But we just also talked, if you guys didn't watch that episode of what to do immediately after deliverance, because sometimes it's not always you going to the altar and just getting demons casted out. Sometimes it's really just you needing discipleship, training, filled with the word, knowing the truth, knowing who Christ is, yielding to the Holy Spirit. Okay. So a lot of these keys on keeping your deliverance and also what to do after you've been delivered, this is a commitment to Christ. Now, I believe a lot of people, they get into God's presence to get delivered, but they don't stay in God's presence long enough to stay delivered, to be able to stay delivered. And remember, all that deliverance is, is being rescued from evil. The ability to stay delivered is really up to us. And to know that I'm not doing this just because, you know, and again, how to keep your deliverance. I'm not just doing this because I want to be known as somebody that, I don't know, the world wants to wants to exult anymore. Like whatever industry, whatever your testimony is, whatever ha- God has taken you out of and he's going to use those gifts, those skills, those talents that you have uh, been able to build up, he's going to use it for his glory. So a lot of what's going to take place is the spirit and the flesh. They're warring against one another. They're constantly battling against one another. Spirit and flesh, it says in Galatians 5. The spirit is going to glorify God but the flesh wants to glorify self. And every moment, every decision, they're battling against one another. As I'm sharing these notes, I guess today I just wanted to talk on these 11 keys and we can go so deep into each one. We've done a lot of topics and teachings around these different key points. But really today, I wanna really allow you guys to understand that it's a process because we're talking about how to stay delivered after you've been delivered. So how to actually keep my deliverance, how to keep running in God's will. Remember, when we're praying, we're not praying to change God's mind. Okay, that's not it. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God's sovereign will is above all, right? His ultimate will, his will shall be done. The reason we pray is so that we can be aligned with God's sovereign will. So we're praying, and this is where on on earth, as it is in heaven, where we can take what's in heaven and allow it to take place here on earth. God's will. God's will is going to be done. The question is, are you part of his will while you're here on earth? And that's another reason why we pray. And that's why we need to keep our deliverance because the enemy wants to destroy, distract, distort, right? That is the devil. The very thing that God wants us to accomplish here on earth. God will accomplish his sovereign will. The question is, are we going to maintain and keep our deliverance so that we could be part of it 
day in and day out because we will reap what we sow. And that's the reality of it. So I want to be able to share just a couple uh, parts in scripture on the process of keeping your deliverance. And let's open up in Ephesians 4. Let me just read this verse 17. It says, This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have so not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And I like I like all this because it's sharing the past, that the past is still like we're still getting processed. So you get delivered. And now to keep my deliverance, let's say you're dealing with lust. I have to continue to fight off that lust because that's the old man. The Bible tells us here in Ephesians 4 to put off that former conduct, the former man, the former lustful ways, lustful thinking. And that's why I believe it's a process to to stay delivered. It's a constant battle of obviously discipleship, but disciplining myself. And you can't have discipleship, right? And you can't be a disciple without discipline. So there's disciplinary actions in order for me to walk in the Lord's ways, to walk in his righteousness. Now let's keep reading. And it says this, um, let each one of you, okay, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Right? We can't allow the devil to really take over. How can I be God's example when I continue to be the devil's sample? You just can't do it. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who, who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind with one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I love this because, y'all, this is a whole formula in Ephesians chapter 4. Putting off the former man, the old man, and now being able to speak life, being able to not grieve the Holy Spirit, but I got to yield to the Holy Spirit. When I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit, I'm surrendering to God's ways. And how can we know what God wants when we continue to walk in our own ways? The best way to hear God and know that it's God is to get into his word. And that's why we teach a lot of his word, because you take everything you hear and you want to test it against scripture. So just know that deliverance is a process. Being rescued from evil, being rescued from bondage, it is a process. So deep. Now, as you guys go through your process, it's not going to be happy, holy, healthy. You know what's interesting? I always thought that 
the moment I was Christian, everything was going to be great, perfect, right? We think, and even the world thinks, and there's people that believe that once we accept Christ, there's this depiction or this thought that our, our lives are going to be happy, holy, healthy, perfect, perfect, all around. Nothing's going to happen. We're not going to get attacked by the devil, yada, 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 right? Like we're just these perfect Christians. That, that's the total opposite of what actually is re reality versus what people believe. We're going to still go through challenges. We're going to still go through struggles. We're still, the unbeliever and the believer are still going to deal with the same types of sin, pride, unbelief, doubt, all sorts of sin, lust. The difference between the believer is they have the power to overcome and break off that lustful desire through the power of Jesus Christ and because of the blood of Jesus, because of the he who is within me that is greater than he who is within this world. So challenges and tribulations are going to come. The only difference between the believer and unbeliever is the believer can decide and to, to have power over the very thing that tries to keep it in bondage, to keep us chained up, okay? To allow whatever that stronghold is to be broken off by Jesus in Jesus' name. So it's not that we're not going to deal with these things. It's not that believers also don't commit sin or that they don't uh, mess up and make bad decisions. Praise God for a heart of repentance and praise God for the Holy Spirit conviction. So we're going to go through this process of cleansing. And a lot of this really is about walking in obedience, in righteousness, in holiness, in reverence to God. Okay. Holiness is not perfection. Holiness is just, me. it just means, and it's in the Greek, to be set apart. I'm setting myself apart from making decisions that culture would make, that the world would make. I choose kingdom over culture. Now, let me share with you guys why God allows these tests, why God allows these trials, and why the Lord allows us to even suffer for his name's sake. Okay, Apostle Paul is willing to suffer for the Lord's sake, for his name's sake. Why, right? As long as it's in the name of Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 8, every verse 1, every commandment which I've commanded you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Verse 2, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I love this, okay, because they just got delivered from Egypt. Egypt was really a land of slavery to the Israelites. And God, he heard their cries. He heard their, their petitions and their cries. So he sent a man named Moses to deliver them out from Egyptian slavery. And God did it. God made a way when there seemed to be no way. So here they are as they're getting out of bondage, getting out of slavery, getting out of Egypt. They're getting delivered. Okay. We, when we meet Jesus Christ, we get delivered from this present evil age, from, from the, the moments that the enemy has us entrapped in these chains and these bondages. But it is only through Jesus Christ that we can find this freedom. And they found this freedom coming out of Egypt walking into the promised land and God promises them the promised land is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Just like when we follow Jesus, we're promised peace. We're promised joy, right? A peace that surpasses all understanding. So we're on our way to that. But the question is, can you surrender to that? And can you allow the process of what deliverance did to also keep it? Because keeping and maintaining your deliverance is not going to be easy. It is not a walk in the park. 
It's not something that is, again, something that that's always fun and exciting. It's just, it's, it's a surrendered lifestyle. It's saying, Lord, I have to trust you that your way is higher than my way, that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, that the plan that you have for me, that when I turn to you is greater than the plans that I thought I had for myself. And we need to understand this. And he's promising them. He says this in verse two, and you shall remember the Lord, your God. I'm going to tell y'all once God brought you out of it, don't forget the very blessings he's been imparting you, getting you out of that toxic environment, getting you out of that toxic relationship. Okay. And you shall remember that the Lord, your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to what, why does God allow wilderness seasons? Why does he allow it? It says right here to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart. Hallelujah. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I love this because we need God's word wherever we go. It is our spiritual food. And we have to proclaim God's word. We have to decree and declare God's word. When you're operating and being attacked by a spirit of fear, you have to know 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, power, love, and of a sound mind. You have to know that when you're going through anxiety, you have to proclaim, dec decree, and declare the word of God, right? That I'm going to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, I'm not just going to meditate on my anxiety. I'm going to release it, cast my cares onto him, and I'm going to go to God in prayer and ask him to deliver me, ask him to heal me, ask him to help me in my weakness. And God will provide. And he says that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. And I love this in verse 40. They were out there in the wilderness for 40 years. And he says this in verse 40. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that chastening, right, that needs to take place, it, it's really a form of correction too. It's correcting our thoughts, our mind, our ways, because whatever this world has done to get us to believe a certain agenda, a thought process, I mean, people get weirded out when they think of the word holiness. They think holiness is perfection. Again, it's not, it's just being set apart. So we have to be renewed on the mind behind what words we, what, what words have specific meetings that's not Bible. There's words that you give a meaning to that is not biblical, that you think is biblical. And this is why we got to study to show ourselves a proof. Rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. Deuteronomy 8 is great because the, the key things that we can uh, pull out from there is that the reason why the Lord allows the wilderness moments, it's like, this is why you can't just go straight into promised land because a lot of us would just be ungrateful and thankful. We'd just be like, okay, yay, I accepted Jesus. If it was so easy to accept Jesus, I, I think a lot more people would do it. <laughs> Right. And if it, if it was so instantaneously, yes, you can have instant uh, right away, a transformation, thought processes, new seeds, but it's a process to heal. It's a process to be delivered from 
things that try to destroy us. Ooh, that's a whole nother word right there. Let's go to, I'm going to go to Titus chapter three, verse one. We're still talking about the process and I'm going to close out in this and then I'm going to relay back the 11 keys. Remind them, verse one, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hating, hateful and hating one another. This was the old person. But I got to be reminded of the new person in Christ that I am. Verse four, but when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we have been justified by grace. We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hey, God bless you. If you guys have not got your Bibles personalized, this is my Bible. It's just very simple. RC, we personalize Bibles, gifts. If you guys want to be able to even send a Bible in, we have the ability to help you get your Bible personalized. This is my rainbow Bible. If you guys can see it, simplyuncagedgifts.com. Just go in. You can also email us if you have questions in regards to personalizing your Bible. So check us out. God bless you. And let's get back to the pod. The Bible tells us, blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. As Jeremiah 17 and Romans 5, it tells us that hope does not disappoint. So I got to put my hope in the Lord. I love this though, in Titus chapter three, it says this, verse five, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So once we allow the Holy Spirit to indwell inside of us, we've accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. We've confessed him with our mouth and honored him and believed and profess that he is the Lord of our life. Here comes thy help. Here comes thy Holy Spirit that this world does not know because they they haven't received him yet. That's why they don't know him it is the Holy Spirit that indwells inside of the believer. But does this miraculous work inside of us, renewing us day in and day out in Ephesians, it tells us that we got to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And right here in Titus chapter three, it's telling us about the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That regeneration, all that means is renovation. So I am getting a spiritual renovation in my heart, a spiritual renovation in my mind. When you think about, for example, real estate or house flipping, you go in and you tear down a lot of the old cabinets, the cupboards, you tear down the full kitchen. Let's say you wanna do a full renovation. You just hammer it out. You take out all the old, all the scraps, you, you take it out and you make it fresh and clean. That's what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. And it's a process. You don't just go in with a hammer in one second, smack one thing, and then everything's cleared out. There's a process to making sure everything gets cleared out. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us day, day by day, day in and day out. That word regeneration in the Greek is renovation. And that is what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. And that's why we must continue to keep our deliverance. We got to keep our deliverance. Okay. I know I said Titus, but I just got this 
uh, last scripture in Matthew chapter uh, 12. And it's interesting because it talks about this, these spirits that come in, right? That plunder into the household. Check this out. It's in Matthew chapter 12. And it says this, Matthew chapter 12, I believe it's verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then the then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes out and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. So once you get set free in Jesus, make sure that the Holy Spirit is filling you up day by day. Because when the evil wicked spirit sees that you're going back and fulfilling that lustful desire, fulfilling that addiction when it comes to drugs, smoking alcohol, it's going to come back. It's going to be an open door for more wicked spirits to come in and it's going to be worse. That addiction is going to be a lot more worse than it was before. And we see that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 to 45. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. That's you entertaining that past person. And that's why you need renovation to take place, that rebuilding inside of you as a follower of Christ. And then in verse 45, then he goes out and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be also shall also be with this wicked generation. Woo. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your revelation and impartation of your wisdom. So how do I keep my deliverance? Number one, yield to the Lordship of Jesus in every area of your life. Put God first. Number two, know who you are in Christ. Three, stay faithful to God. I might be faithless, but he still remains faithful. Four, stay humble. Five, stay grateful. Six, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Seven, live by the word of God. Eight, put on the whole armor of God. Nine, put on the helmet of hope. Ten, put on the garment of praise. Learn how to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Eleven, cultivate godly relationships and fellowship. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for being here. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is good. Excited to continue this journey with y'all as we really talk about just maintaining and keeping your deliverance. And I, I really pray that the Holy Spirit speaks and shares a mighty word to you and speaks to you directly on how to be disciplined during this time. Amen. We'll catch you guys in the next episode of the podcast, whether you guys are on the tube or any one of the platforms that are streaming this. Thanks so much for being part of the Simply Uncaged family community. Tap in, hit the sub, like this video, share it with somebody that needs to keep their deliverance and understand why it's important to even keep their deliverance. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you guys are ever in Vegas, come by. We love y'all. Be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name, take care.